Welcome to the High Level Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. We're here to talk before the start of what I would say is a crucial 13-game stretch before they play the Dodgers. Now, I say it's crucial because it's August 6th, and there are less than two months to go in the season, and these 13 teams are not good. Among those 13 games, Jay, are seven against the worst team in the majors. The Arizona Diamondbacks mm-hmm. are, is it 42 games under? They have a 309 winning percentage. Yeah, that sounds, they are 30, I, I was writing something down yesterday, 34 and 76, I believe. There we go, um, 42 at games. This, at this moment, <laughs> uh, the three teams combined that they're playing, Rockies, Marlins, Diamondbacks, 129 and 199, a okay. 393 Winning percentage, the Padres, however, they are six and three, I believe, against the Diamondbacks this year. They are eight and eight against the Rockies and two and two against the Marlins. So Jeff Sanders wrote about this today. Um, you were taking care of some personal business. It's good to have you back. We all missed you. Uh, most of us anyway. I certainly did. And the for anybody who didn't, that's too bad. Uh, Jeff wrote about that today and the idea that they have not played as well against the bad teams as the Dodgers and the Giants have. And that's one explanation for why they are where they are in the standings. It's really, you know, I think they're eight behind the Giants now in the loss column. You know, we've we've talked about the Giants and we didn't think they were for real. Here they are August 6th. They're still winning the division. Yesterday, they did something. I read this today. I would give credit if I remembered where I read it. I think it might have been an ESPN tweet. I believe the Giants had lost 800 straight games that they had trailed by four runs or more going into the ninth inning until yesterday when they tied the game against Arizona and then won in extra innings. So that's the kind of year that it's been for the Giants. And meanwhile, the Padres the other day had a, you know, had a two run lead with their closer on the mound against the A's and couldn't hold it. So it's, you know, it's just, it's a game here. It's a game there. And, you know, one thing I wanted to point out is, and I remember we talked about this, there was about a 40-game stretch. So it was about two to three weeks ago. And the last 40 games, I think the Padres were something like 19 and 21 or 20 and 21 or something like that. And it's like, boy, they really need to they need to pick it up. Well, Jeff Story today mentioned that in their last, I think it's their last 55, they're 28 and 27. So they're still just sort of plodding along since, I think this is all since the 34 and 19 start which was great and and sort of what everybody expected and since then they've just been i don't know average mediocre sort of good so, sort of not well, I mean, pick, pick your description out of all those but 28 and 27 over a 55 game stretch pretty soon that's sort of who you are and now i guess is the, what you're saying is and and i agree these next couple of weeks 13 games against bad teams if they're ever going to snap out of it you would think it would be now like 10 and three. All right. I mean, nothing less than nine and four or and it might already be to this point or forget the Giants. Forget them. Yeah, I mean, right I, now, right. I I'm think not it's sure probably the- more important to be focusing on yourself. And you know, if you're going to watch the scoreboard, it's watching the Reds and maybe the right. Phillies who seem to have caught a little fire. You know, maybe you could catch the Dodgers, but it doesn't matter if the Giants are going to run away with this thing. But if you come out of this 13 game stretch, I'm sorry. And, you know, the converse of how badly they've done against uh, bad teams is they've actually played good teams pretty well. I forget what it was. I put in a story the other day. They were like 
11 over against, uh, you know, teams above 500 and it might even have been better. And then like one or two over against uh, teams that uh, have uh, losing records. The thing about it, Jay, is so in the middle of this 28 and 27, there was a period of a month. It was actually about three plus weeks of games because it included the All-Star game. But it was from the Reds series at home to the through the National Series in, in Washington. And mm-hmm. in that stretch, in the midst of this mediocre, right, in the middle of it, they had the major league's best record, right, like sixteen and five, something like that. Yep, that is, if I'm not mistaken, eleven games over. So around that, on the out, on the beginning and the end of this fifty-five game stretch you were talking about, they've just been horrid because in the right. middle they were really good. They were and really there, good. You told me pick one word. You, you you didn't really mean it, but I, I took it literally. Streaky, <laughs> streaky. I actually think that um, in trying to explain around the question that I asked about why do they stink against bad teams last week, Jace Tingler's answer actually, I believe, was spot on. And he said it doesn't have to do with the other teams. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the streakiness of this team. If they're playing the Dodgers when they're playing like the Padres can, they can beat the Dodgers, and you don't, you're very confident about that. If they're playing the um, Rockies during one of their lulls, the Rockies are going to take three or four. It's like the Padres are just, you know, I I still firmly believe that. The one exception that I will give to that is I don't think you can count the Dodgers in that because I do think there's a special special feeling these guys have when they play the Dodgers. And and so, you know, obviously they haven't played them in a long time. So there's nothing concrete to base it on. But I I do think – everything seems cranked up a little bit. Every time the Padres lose, you know, last weekend they were down four, nothing a couple of times after a half an inning. It was, you know, you start seeing stuff. Oh, the Padres look flat today. Well, of course, of course you look flat when it's four, nothing after it, before you've even come to bat, you know, it kind of changes things. I, I don't buy into, they look flat or this or that. I mean, a lot of it is just like you said, how they've played uh, just to, to clarify what you said earlier. Against 500 teams or worse, they are seven games over 500 at 32 okay. and 25. Against winning teams, they are seven games over at 30 and 23. So the problem is they've basically played, <clears throat> had the same results against the really good teams and the teams that aren't so good, whereas the Dodgers are actually three games under against winning teams. They're 43 and 19 <clears throat> against the teams they should be. The Giants are 41 and 21. I bet you if we against, went back over history, the, that would this would not be an anomaly. Maybe not that good, but maybe because that's unbelievable how good those teams are against bad teams. That just is simply right. taking care of business. Yeah, it, exactly. And, that, and that's what you know we talked about over the next couple of weeks, because I think after that comes a week against the Phillies, who, as you said, are, are gaining on them. I think it's three against the Phillies and three against the Dodgers. Right. All at all at Petco. Um, but, you know, you've got, what, six games at home, three against the D-backs, three against the Marlins, and then four more uh, in Arizona before three against Colorado. I think those are the last, those are the last three, I believe, all season against the, uh, uh, against the Rockies, who they won't see in the last six or seven weeks. So, yeah, I mean, I, look, we, we've kind of gone over, uh, you know, one thing about the baseball season and doing this a couple times a week is, feels like we've gone over most of what the cause of all this is. And and I think you're right. I mean, streaky is one word. Inconsistent belongs is sort of the same 
in the same category with that. And just sort of an inability to, I guess, to be consistent and, and to play at the level that everybody expected week in and week out. And, and I guess, you know, to me, there's two ways to look at it real quick. Everybody wants to blame the manager and the coaches is what I see on social media. I don't understand why people don't want to blame the players. You know, the simple reason for why somebody isn't doing well, Blake Snell isn't pitching well to me because Blake Snell, if you're going to blame somebody for that, Blake Snell gets almost all of the blame for that. Larry Rothschild is a proven pitching coach. He's been around a long time. He's produced a lot of, you know, a lot of pitchers have pitched very well with Larry Rothschild on the staff. A lot of pitchers on this staff are pitching very well with Larry Rothschild as their pitching coach. So, you know, yeah, maybe he hasn't been able to tweak Blake Snell or whatever, but look, Snell's the one out there throwing the pitches. And it's not, you know, any any pitcher you want to do. Joe Musgrove pitched great the other day. That's Joe Musgrove doing that, you know, just like it was when he didn't pitch well. The other thing is maybe these guys just aren't as good as A.J. Preller and the front office thought they were and and sort of, un, and we thought they were. So when they put together the team, the front office and everybody else, and fans included, thought, okay, based on history or based on some parts of history, this is a good team, a lot of good players. Maybe these guys just, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe some of these guys were mistakes. You know, maybe Blake Snell just isn't really that good. You can look at his history and you could find that one Cy Young season. But if you look after that, you can look and go, yeah, you know, maybe he's not as good as he was in that World Series game last year and kind of got fooled a little bit by that. So anyway, that's... I, that to me, that's the two ways of 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 looking at it. Maybe he's the personification of this team because yeah. even you and I, Jay, uh, could look at his stuff and go, "Wow, this mm-hmm. guy should be a perennial Cy Young winner." That right. is not even the beginning of where a ace pitcher his stuff is is like just one part of it. And uh, so, yeah, um, I, I think he's incredible, but he's not an incredible pitcher right now. Right. Um, he's right. a really good thrower of the baseball uh, and has, uh, I mean, it's, it's truly unreal. Like now here's the deal. Uh, it was a long time ago that I covered the Dodgers and the, and the, and the Padres uh, or the Dodgers and the angels. And then the first few years on the Padres, like, what do I really have to compare it to? But Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove and you Darvish are incredible. Um, and, and I do believe that two of those guys in the beginning of the year, in particular, Darvish showed that they can be what the Padres thought that they they were, and so I do think there is I don't want to say hope like like people are hopeless or or anything, yeah. but I do think there is there should be a belief that this team can actually challenge. I don't think they're the best team, or maybe even um, the second or the third best team in the National League right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, if you try to go matchups like who they would play and stuff, and they'd be in trouble against some of these teams. Uh, but they're a good team that could make a playoff run. I believe that they've got to get to October with this starting pitching. And within their inconsistency, um, you talk about sometimes it's the bats. Uh, for an extended period, it was the uh, starting pitching. Well, that game the other day shows also, man, you could pick 12 games, and I probably should go through. And you go, man, Joe Musgrove, he deserved to win that. Uh, or the Padres should have won with that outing. Well, that happens a, That happens to every team, right? This year – this team's inability to put all the facets together is a is a, it's a mess. Right, right, uh, and it happens the other way too. I mean, you obviously win. Absolutely. You know, you you win games. I mean, the one that always stands out is the the Camarina game, um, but you you win games that you that you shouldn't win. There was a game in L.A. 
that they were basically giving up on uh, the Sunday night game that they came back and, yes. and, and won. So there, it goes back and forth. But, but it does seem like this team this year has done more of the losing games they should have won than winning games they should have lost. That's so just how it just how talk, it feels at this point. Let's talk about the thing that has been hanging over the season because of the MVP type uh, campaign that Fernando Tatis Jr. was putting together. We were kind of like, oh, okay, all right, maybe that he's fine. Well, now what happened the other day where the shoulder popped out is exactly what has been the danger all season. Right. And and he will have surgery when his season is over. That could be next week. So got to go get some more updates on this. But uh, the good news, supposedly, uh, and we say that, Jay and I have talked about this a lot on this uh, program, that, that with health, sometimes you're not getting the full picture. Uh, and there are laws about that. And, and then there's deceit and, you know, hey, <laughs> have some privacy and all that, whatever. Uh, but supposedly the damage to the labrum, which he has a labrum tear, uh, was not more significant than it was his last MRI. That suggests he could be able to continue playing when the inflammation is down, when he's uh, healthy. The bad news or the, the less optimistic news is this was worse than than any of the other times. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflammation was greater. It didn't go back in as quickly. And the more this happens, the more likely it is to happen again and the more danger for a worse tear. There are 13 years to go on this contract. There's got to be at least 10 where you're considering, uh, at least 8 to 10, that you're considering Fernando Tatis Jr. to be a cornerstone of a championship franchise. These are the things that are being weighed by the Padres and Fernando. Jay, do they have enough talent to get into uh, deep into October without Fernando? Deep into October, probably not. Into October, I would say yes. I, I still think this team is better than the Reds and the Phillies, so they, they can you know hang on to that second wild card spot without Tatis. The question I have about the injury, and I I think this was I think you you answered this earlier in the year, but I'm wondering if it's any different. Is the more this happens, as you said, the more danger it could happen again. Is does there come a point where he could make this worse to the point where a, a normal surgery wouldn't fix it anymore and he would need like even more surgery. Basically, is there a point where he can damage it beyond where a normal surgery could fix it? Because if that's the case, then I would say shut him down, right? You know, shut him down because it's not worth this guy's career to try to squeeze out, you know, six more weeks or eight weeks or whatever is left in the season. If he can play and if it happens again, you know, two, three, four, five weeks from now or, or doesn't happen, you know, or whatever, that it's not going to make it worse than I, I can see pushing forward. What what are you what are you hearing on that front? Well, first of all, if that is the case, it would be something that would be obvious to everyone uh, that is involved in this, the doctors, the trainers, the Padres. And I have every confidence in the world based on it would be stupidity uh, to not, and based on the people that I talked to, that they will shut him down if that is the case. Mm-hmm. I have my understanding is this: it will be uh, no that that I suppose it's possible it could be worse, but that that's not what anyone. And I'm fortunate enough to know some orthopedic surgeons who actually have worked on high level athletes throughout their careers, so I talked to them, and and no, it would be the same surgery, but the worse the damage, the more likelihood it's not successful long-term, okay. right? Okay. And if there is articular cartilage damage that, that it continues to go, 
then the surgery is not necessarily going to prevent that arthritis that will occur when he's 29, 30, right. which then is something that he's having to always deal with and do treatment. And he's maybe not as effective. His range of motion isn't as good. And range of motion reminds me, you know, we know that he's been taped up wearing a brace. What we don't know is, has he been wearing that brace loosely? And has that been kind of what's allowed Fernando to be Fernando? But then the protection isn't as good. Now, does he start playing and is the brace tighter? Oh, now the range of motion isn't as good. And there's some certain things he can't do. So does he come back and play? And Tuesdays, he's Tuesdays eligible to come off. Is it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next Saturday, whenever it is Mm -hmm. that he comes off, what's he going to look like? So there are still some questions about that. If you're going to have optimism, again, MRI, supposedly not worse. And this is Fernando Tatis Jr. I have had, including people with medical degrees and people within the Padres have said, from their understanding, talking to people with medical degrees, there's probably not very many players who even would have made it as far as effectively as Fernando Tatis Jr. (laughs) with this injury. Right. And the concern that I would have going forward is that he tries to take it too far. And and as you said, and then you do the the long-term damage to me, if, if there's if there's any risk in in long term making this a long term situation, I don't think it's worth pushing forward. But again, nobody's asking other than you. Maybe nobody Here's else is asking my is asking my opinion about this. Here's a hint: the trade deadline. They tried very hard, <clears throat> and they tried very hard for Max Scherzer and even Trey Turner. Uh, that wasn't available to him. I think the solution is Max Scherzer wanted to go to Los Angeles. But then they didn't feel like any of those other pitchers was worth Robert Hassel and whoever else it would have taken. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're punting on 2021. It means they're not what I think the outsiders, us and the fans, would have as our definition of all in. They believe their window is greater than than now. They're trying to win. They'll do everything they can. Sure. But it wasn't that they were gonna um, they were gonna invest to to go all in in 21. I think there's a hint there that. They're going to err on the side of caution with Fernando Tatis Jr. I really do. No, that's a really good point because if you were going to go all in, you would do that only knowing that this guy was going to be able to play the rest of the year. And obviously, there's no way to know that. Um, and then it know, was worth you know, look, it. I, like right, right. I mean, I, I hope he, you know, I, I hope he, I hope he comes back Tuesday, and I hope he plays the last forty something games or whatever, whatever it is, and doesn't have any more issues. But I, I think the chances of that getting through without another problem, even if he does come back, seem to get less and less as we go, as we go forward. And, you know, that it, look, it happens. It's he's had an incredible season so far, but if he gets fixed, he's going to have more incredible seasons. I mean, this is, he's, this is not a, this guy's not a, no way this guy's a flash in the pan. Uh, and it's not like type, either type like, Oh player. no, there's only four years left. No. Nope. Right. He's, yeah. He's got, um, He's done such an incredible job with that swing. He has limited himself in some ways of the slide, which we all make a big deal out because we're not Fernando Tatis Jr. All he did was say, hey, I'm going to start sliding feet first. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, but, but there are things you can't think about the last two times that, that baseball happens. Okay. Yeah. It was a dive that he thought he could get a ball. It wasn't a stupid dive. We could talk about the wisdom of trying to get to third like he did this last time. Regardless, it was him trying to get to third and and evade a tag uh, with a slide. He got hurt. Baseball happens, like you said, Jay. Um, So, you know, there's just – there's never been a guarantee, and there's no more vivid reminder than what is is happening right now with him. So Right, right. And I agree with you. It's funny – 
Well, and the, <laughs> the funny thing is, I was just thinking about that because we're like talking about this and it's like, oh yeah, we, the last time we did a show, he was fine. And he got, he got hurt that night. Um, Friday was not a good day for the Padres. Friday, no, Friday was not good for, uh, for the Padres. Uh, also not good for the Padres on Wednesday was Mark Melanson, who we have talked about before on the show. And I think I made a point a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, at least that I didn't trust if it came to October and saving one game, I wasn't sure Melanson was a guy that I trusted on the mound. He, of course, no doubt listened to that and went out and saved like seven straight games and looked as good as he had looked, I think, I think all year. Um, the other day, he didn't look as good. And, you know, he, he threw a lot of pitches. He could, you know, 10 pitches to the first batter, I think probably changed the entire inning. Um, you know, there's extra effort in that. And he ended up throwing close to 30 pitches, I believe um in the inning and you know everything went wrong in uh in that particular situation you know he, a lot of close pitches that people aren't swinging at uh right now i'm really curious to see and if, you know it's it's easy for it's easy for people to jump on melanson after blowing a save um he, i think he's blown five this year it's not like he's blown them every week so but i'm interested to see what happens going forward if he were to blow a couple more in short succession, whether a guy like Daniel Hudson ends up taking over the closing role. Now, I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think this is the type of team, not the type of team, not even the type of sport where that happens, where you just yank guys in and out of a role that's that important, or at least considered that important in the sport. I don't. My feeling is you can put a lot of guys in that role. Most teams don't think that's the case, but First of all, is Daniel Hudson going to be here this weekend? And yeah. second of all, what happens if Melanson has a couple more shaky outings? Well, I thought from the start that whether Melanson kept going or not, that Daniel Hudson gave them the opportunity to do what they said they were going to do all along and, and that a, you know, a good bullpen can, and that is maybe play some matchups. But when you uh -huh. especially – Dodgers, Giants, and you get into the postseason um, right. because that's how this team's going to have to do it anyway because their starters are probably going to go five innings. So, you know, I thought that that gave them a real opportunity to do that without actually saying Mark Melanson is no longer our closer. You know, it was Mark right. Melanson through last night. Uh, you know, who cares that he's gone three times in a row before? We're doing Drew Pomerantz, <laughs> you know, in the ninth today or, sure. or whatever. So I, I thought that all along. So I definitely think that now. Um, perhaps I should go a little take a little dive uh, in the Melanson tonight. Um, I would imagine he's not, they're going to give him another night off. Um, but when, when people are laying off his stuff, it's generally after Mark is down, you know, one Oh versus up. Oh, one, his stuff has mm -hmm. still been good enough. Even when he was struggling that guys have to respect it. And if it's close, then they've got a swing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really looked into what happened the other day, but he's not throwing a hundred. So he needs to work where he, you know, needs to work. And I think that when he doesn't, then he does get in trouble because again, he's 37. He, he, uh, he isn't going to blow it past you, but if he's up Oh one Oh two, you're in trouble. It wasn't just that he saved those, however many, what it was five or seven in a row, Jay, they were pretty easy. I mean, like they mm -hmm. were 10, 12 pitches. There was maybe, I think, one hit in there. Uh, I don't think he walked anybody. Take a look at when he saves. There's a lot more pitches. Um, and, you know, he, he just wasn't as sharp. Uh, so one save doesn't change. I don't know that I've been on the, the train like you have. I, I did think it was a concern uh, that people were laying off some pitches. Um, but 
I guess we'll have to see, but I think it's a good thing they got Daniel Hudson. And do we, and should Hudson be around this weekend? Is that where, I, what's I the timing so. of that? I think so. I know but you I haven't don't been know. around. He's, but, yeah. I, I think so. Um, I think the timing is that if he has tested uh, negative by now, he has been down long enough to return and, and join the team. Uh, so right. find out here in a few hours. I was going to say it was supposed to, I think it was like a seven day mm-hmm. situation and the trade was seven days ago. So, or seven or eight And I think it was just now, the day so. before that he had been placed on there or something. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we see him this weekend. That's another piece to the bullpen. I, I thought Pomerantz looked really good when he pitched. I think that was Wednesday as well. So uh, that's always a good sign because I, I still think he's, he's, he has the potential to be dominant each time out with, as long as he's, you know, as long as he's feeling good. Um, as long as he's healthy. Yeah. He does. And, and, you know, he's had the breaks and we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. So, all right. Well, it's a, uh, as you said, a big weekend, three with Arizona and, and Sunday's matchup, particularly intriguing with uh, Blake Snell going for the Padres and Madison Bumgarner for the Diamondbacks. Always interesting to see uh, which Bumgarner shows up and, and always fun to, to, to watch his, uh, let's say, ultra competitiveness on the, uh, on the mound, which sometimes maybe crosses over a little bit. Well, but it's awesome. It's, it <laughs> right, does. It, right. it crosses over That's, when things don't go well. And lately yeah. things haven't gone well against the Padres. So it actually is a lot of fun. The last yeah. thing I'll say, Jay, is I do think it's a big weekend. And, and how cool is that? We're two, we got two months left in a real actual regular season, not last year's season. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of all a little bit, if, if not pessimistic, then concerned about where the Padres are going, but they're playing 13 games against bad teams um, and we're all still like on the edge of our seat because the Padres are contenders. So I think this is really cool. Well, yeah, the Padres have been the, the diamond. What what the Padres are playing has been the Padres for so many years that you're right. I mean, I think it's easy to lose perspective on it for day to day, week to week, or whatever. But you're right. It's August the sixth, big day in Padre history. Of course, Tony Gwynn hits two thousand and three thousand on August sixth, but. It's it's a big day because the Padres are playing games that matter, and uh, and that has not happened very often. At, I will uh, guarantee at this point you, in the season, I will guarantee you, whatever articles uh, are are being written, whatever uh, talk show and podcasts are saying about the Padres right now, have been said about at least half, if not three quarters of World Series champions at the end of July, beginning of August. There are always concerns. We're always myopic. Look, the Padres are not in a good place. This last 90 seconds Jay and I have done is not to like (laughs) soften it. They're not in a good place. But you know what? Teams that weren't in a good place in August have won the World Series before. So, and, is, and they're in a better place than a lot of August that we've been around baseball here yes. in San Diego. So that's a good, that's a good thing, a good note to go out on. And we will uh, wish everyone a, a safe and enjoyable weekend, whether you're at the park or or not. And we'll uh, talk to you on Monday. Thanks, everybody.